0: This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Linda Butler, Chief Medical Officer and Vice President of Medical Affairs at UNC-REx Healthcare in Raleigh, North Carolina.
1: Dr. Butler, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks for inviting me, Laura. I'm happy to be here. Tell you a little bit of, about myself. I am a trained pediatrician who happened to be president of the medical staff when, here at UNC-REx when we had a, a new hospital president come on, and he was surprised that we didn't have a chief medical officer. So we made a job description, and when I thought my role was done, he said, you know, you really should apply for the job because you're doing some of this work already. And uh, I thought, well, I can't turn down this opportunity. So I applied and then was selected for the position, and that was 11 years ago. So I'm the first and only chief medical officer here at Rex. And over the years, my responsibilities have, have changed somewhat, but uh, right now I'm responsible for quality programs, which is patient safety, risk management, infection prevention, the medical staff office, uh, the performance improvement department, and uh, case management uh, here at Rex and also across the UNC healthcare system. So that's just a brief synopsis of uh, what my responsibilities are now.
0: Well, that's fantastic and I'm really glad to have you here to talk a little bit more about where things are headed at Rex. Um, first off, what are your top priorities today and how do you anticipate that they'll change in the coming year?
1: Well, uh, most of 2020 has been focused on COVID and 2021 started out with us kind of hitting our peak uh, with the number of patients in-house and uh, the acuity that we've been seeing. And so now we're on the, the downward slide of that peak, thankfully with uh, only about 20 COVID patients in-house from a a high of of 90 a couple months ago. So now we're trying to figure out how to try and and trend back to normal. Which sort of COVID things are we going to stop? What are we going to continue? We've been doing a lot of vaccinating uh, here. We've given over 15,000 vaccines at Rex. And uh, now we're trying to decide, do we you know minimize some of our covid testing because we were testing every patient who uh, entered the facility be that for a procedure or for admission you know should we start relaxing some of our visitation restrictions uh, because we've only allowed one visitor per patient to try and minimize you know ppe use and exposure and, and so we're in that that tension of what do we keep doing what do we stop doing what we're most really looking forward to is restarting a lot of, um, projects or initiatives that were put on hold because all of our energy and resources were diverted towards COVID. We had a lot of projects on a deterioration index that was integrated in EPIC that we uh, wanted to be more proactive as somebody deteriorated clinically. Uh, We had a lot of throughput work um, having COVID patients in-house. Their average length of stay was between eight and nine days, and our usual length of stay here had been about four so we are trying to figure out how to make sure that we're efficiently discharging and admitting patients. So that's sort of a synopsis of, of what we're going to be working on. I think we're just all anxious to get back to normal or whatever our new normal will be.
0: Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense and you know, really speaks to both the push and pull of what's going on with COVID, but then also looking ahead and, and trying to figure out you know, what you're going to need um, as the year goes on. I'm wondering now if you could talk a little bit about what you're most excited for and what makes you nervous.
1: So what's exciting is, I I think, getting back to that that new normal, taking care of NOVID instead of COVID patients. Uh, We are building a new hospital in Holly Springs. It's going to be a 50-bed hospital, and it's slated to open in September. So it's always exciting being part of something new from the very beginning. And we're also opening a cancer center just across the street from our main campus, because we've outgrown um, our cancer locations and that we have two practices that are you know basically across the street from each other because we didn't have enough space in one location so we're going to co-locate everything in a, a brand new patient friendly building. So those are two things that we're really looking forward to. Things that, that make me nervous are, you know, we were decreasing our number of COVID patients back in the summer and then had a rebound. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Is there going to be another rebound? I I hope not. I'm looking forward to the day where we can go back to some in-person meetings and uh, not have to wear a mask uh, every day. I think I'm also a little bit worried about what could be our our next pandemic if there's something else after after COVID. Um, I really also worry about any unfunded federal mandate (laughs) that might be coming our way. You never know what's going to happen there. Uh, just in general, I know we were worried about burnout in healthcare providers before this pandemic. Now, a year into it, we're definitely seeing that people are tired. People haven't been able to take vacation because they're pulling extra shifts to staff. We've had nursing staff leave to be travelers because people could price gouge and, and offer you know exorbitant sums for people to leave their homes and, and work in other places. So I think that's what makes me nervous is being able to continue to staff. And, you know, if we don't have a break between COVID and whatever's next, there will be a, a, a toll on, on health care.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and and I really hear that sentiment echoed uh, throughout the healthcare space. I'm wondering, you know, when you do look at um, the staffing issues, whether it's, you know, the um, recruitment or or burnout for current staff or those leaving for traveling nursing roles, how do you think that all of this will affect um, your recruitment and hiring efforts in the future?
1: Yeah, we, we try a lot of different strategies, and You hope that by being a magnet facility that helps retain nurses, providing a a good work environment, a safe work environment, we made um, PPE and protecting our patients and staff a top priority, that in the end, that will um, allow you to retain your staff. Um, I, I think there's just the natural sort of math of people are living longer and they're living with more complex illnesses. And you know, right now, our case mix index here in the hospital for Medicare patients is 2.21, and, and we're a community hospital that rivals most academic medical centers. So, you know, as p- if people age and they get sicker, that that higher acuity requires more staff. And people are are living so much longer. We're not able to graduate as many nurses and physicians to keep up with that demand. So, I think it's looking creatively how to make sure that every coworker works at the top of their license and works together as a team. And I will have to say that our staff really worked as a team throughout this pandemic. I couldn't be more proud of people volunteering or taking on roles that are traditionally not theirs to pull together to take care of patients.
0: That's great to hear. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you about leadership. What are your top three pieces of advice for aspiring leaders today?
1: I think my my first piece of advice would be to always be willing to take on a challenge. My children would say I have a problem saying no if somebody asked me to do it, but if I would have said no 11 years ago, I wouldn't be in this job today. (laughs) My other piece of advice is to you know, make sure you don't compartmentalize your education or your learning. Uh, before going to medical school, I was a nuclear engineer and one of my engineering professors kind of said that, that statement in a class of ours and didn't appreciate it until I was much later on in, in my years and in my career uh, an example of, of compartmentalizing in the hospital was we years ago had peer review committees in every department and they did great work, and they improved things within that one department. But whatever was not going well in, say, you know, uh, surgery could also be applied to orthopedics or OB, and we eventually ended up having a centralized medical staff peer review committee because the problems were essentially the same, and if you fixed a process issue in one area, you could be fixing it across the whole hospital. So, Make sure that whatever you learn in one area, you share with the next, because it typically can make things better across the board. And then my third piece of advice is if somebody either wants to go into leadership or is considering it, go ahead and ask somebody to be your mentor. Um, People are busy, so you're not always willing to kind of say, here, let me coach you. Uh, You don't even know if that person wants to be coached. You you can't offer the time, but someone who uh, either – would like to learn from a leader in a separate area or has these leadership aspirations, go ahead and and ask somebody to to coach you or mentor you. And conversely, once you become a leader, uh, I'd have to say you have to realize that your words and your comments carry weight. Uh, I remember one time going to a meeting and having somebody throw up a presentation and had a quote from, from me on the presentation. And I didn't even remember saying it. But obviously, it made an impact on them. So you want to make sure that when you're, you know, making statements that they are going to be something that will inspire rather than maybe demoralize somebody because, you know, your words carry weight.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great point. And I really love the way you put that, making sure that your words inspire. Um, I really like that. Dr. Butler, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your thoughts on this podcast episode, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future.
1: Well, thank you so much, Laura, for having me, and you have a great day.